First uh, Kings 3.26, and I'm going to just give you a little tiny bit of background. We won't go, li- like I said, the 18 minutes into background this time, but um, we see at the beginning of chapter 3, um, Solomon has returned to give the people access to the throne so that they could seek wisdom. And he's young. He's like somewhere between 13 and 20 years old. And so he is saying, Lord, I've got to lead your people and give these wise judgments to them. And so he asks God for wisdom, right? He could have, God gave him, you know, what, what would you like? And that's what he asked for. He could have asked for anything. And so God blesses him not only with wisdom, where he was the wisest man on earth, next to Jesus, obviously. Matthew 12 tells us that he was even greater, wiser than uh, Solomon was. But God also um, bestows on him honor and wealth, right? Just kind of like little bonuses. And um, so who would like those? I think I would like all three of those. (laughs) So he was in a good place. God was going to use him. And if we were to jump right through our story down to verse 28, it's going to say God was going to use that wisdom to draw others to him, to know that he was the wise that he was speaking through Solomon, that he was a wise and a just God. Um, so let's look then at verse, when, let's see, where does that story start? 16. It says, does someone else want to read it? I can. Thank you. All right. So now two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One of them said, Pardon me, my lord. This woman and I live in the same house, and I had a baby while she was there with me. The third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one in the house but the two of us. During the night, this woman's son died. She lay on him. She got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while I, her servant, was asleep. She put him by her breast and put her dead baby by my breast. The next morning, I got up to nurse my son, and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son I had born. The other woman said, No, the living one is my son, and the dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, No, the dead one is yours, the living one is mine. And they argued before the king. The king said, This one says, My son is alive and your son is dead, while that one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. Then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword for the king. He then gave an order, cut the living child into two and give half to one and one to the other. You want me to go into 26? Yep. Okay. The woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son and said to the king, Please, my Lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But the other said, Neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. Go ahead and go to 28. Then the king gave his ruling. Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is his mother. So, first of all, that was an exciting reading. Thank you so much. (laughs) I was like, wow. That was great mom reading. (laughs) 
what did you guys observe in that? What kind of emotions did you have? That lady's a punk. That lady's a punk, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I read chapter 26 or the verse 26 first Uh before I went back and read how Solomon asked for wisdom to, you know, lead. And I first just cried because I was like, where is this going? Because I don't, I don't know if I remember this story. Like, it's not like a, a memory that I kept sort of It's not Noah's Ark. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Then, <laughs> so then I go back and I read and I'm like, ah, okay. And then you start piecing it together and then you see what he was doing. Because at first I was like, gosh, that's so cool. You know? Right? Shocking. Yeah. Shocking. Why would he do that? Mm-hmm. What else? Of the obvious compassion. Yeah. yeah. That the other wouldn't have that she would be willing to give up her child, her child just so he wasn't put yeah. to death. Right. Or come to, you know, right. same, same <laughs> I can't imagine, uh, that's the kind of drama, like, we see today even. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't imagine someone trying to convince, like, she. there's no witnesses. And she's got to convince one guy that this is my child and she is lying. Right? And uh, just the whole drama to get to that place. Um, what about, did you see anything in it that um, spoke to you about how you would have reacted to the same thing? Would, would it have been your, how would you react? I wondered if you would do anything different other than say, take the child or don't let him be cut in half. Would you have done something different? I think I would have gone to jail for murder. I would have gone to jail for murder. Right. Yeah. Like, okay. yeah. I don't think that other girl would ever have made it out of the That's yeah, exactly. No. Yeah. I was, at, I was wondering that. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't even made it to Solomon. I'd have yeah. been out of the next town probably. I'd have grabbed that sword and done some wielding of myself, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I just, I thought it was very selfless because she was willing to live without her baby just yeah. so he could live. Yeah. She was just like, yeah. Right there. Mm-hmm. Like that in itself, that's exactly what Jesus exemplified or, you know, yep. showed yep. us that he was willing to give his life so all of us could live. So it's very reflective. Like it's Absolutely. very Christ-like love. That's, yes. That's There's exactly the right. wisdom. Right. Like, and, and we, that's hard to struggle like with, you know, because mm-hmm. I think I would have acted on more of love as the feeling, mm-hmm. whether as instead of love as a demonstration. Like, I feel like she acted with, that she was very, like, she demonstrated love, whereas I think I would have acted, like you said, with the feeling, like, that is my son, and I will kill son, you know, instead of, I, I, I will that, die for my son. I think we, we hear and see more mothers in the Old Testament with showing that outward love to our kids, because what was the, the woman who, I cannot remember, but she... She told God, if I, if I have a son, Hannah. Hannah, he will be yours. yours at the temple. Yeah. And so at a very early age, mm-hmm. she, you know, gave him I, I'm not so sure, you know, I could have done that either. It's like, okay, just kidding. Lord. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Right? You see know. that demonstrated a couple of times in yep. the Bible. I have some examples of them that we'll pick up on here in a little bit. But God knew the heart of the mother, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it says that God knits 
those child that child in our room, right? So like he's chosen that child and that mother to be paired, right? So he knows already the the true mother is going to respond. And so that's God speaking through Solomon because he's a punk kid. He doesn't know any different, right? <laughs> that was truly God's wisdom. And it says, you know, they, they talked about it for a very, very long time afterwards in verse 28. And um, so not only would that other woman have been ridiculed for a very, very public display, right, um, and lying, and kidnapping, I mean, you, well, right? Was it the lowest? Uh, the lowest low? as a prostitute. <laughs> yeah, because this was two prostitutes that were living together. And um, so this was very close quarters for them, which also, you know, a side note could um, speak of who you keep close to you, <laughs> right? And, and who you can trust. But um, God knew the heart of the mother. And you know, she was probably doing her own crying and just moving um, through listening to him as quick as he can. Have you ever had, like, your dad figure give you, like, um, something and it, like, punched you in the gut? Like, wait, no, 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 no. That's not the direction I was going in, right? You know, or, or someone went to, you know, do, do a lot of punishment and it just floored you. She, did she have time to react? In the time that he said, bring the sword here, did she have time to react, you know? Um, we don't know. It's silent on that. But um, so he, scripture is silent on both of these things. But it was, you know, again, it was a talk for a long time. Something that she would have, um, hopefully, maybe these two ladies went different directions because of this encounter with God's wisdom. Maybe the lady that is now so publicly shamed, um, maybe she found God down that road, you know? Again, silent. Maybe this woman who saw God step in and save her child turned around and left that business and raised him to know the Lord. We don't know because it's silent. But God uses these things, right? <clears throat> First Kings 3.26 here not only is showing us the love of a mother and the wisdom of God, um, but let's look at the definition of love. And where do we go for that? First Corinthians 13, 4 through 9, right? Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. How would you have described that other woman based on that? Well, I, the other woman, the one whose child was dead. Yes. It says that it does not envy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it does not dishonor others. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was huge. Yeah. She was envious that her child was alive. Mm-hmm. She was um, insisting on her own way. It didn't. It was, she was going to rejoice at the wrongdoing of, yeah, split the baby. You can't have the baby either, right? There was no love in that, whereas the mother was the opposite, right? And we see that in this definition of love. We have access now to the same wisdom that those ladies did, right? They were able to go before the king and get God's wisdom, but we don't have to go to the king. We go directly to our king, right? And we can get wisdom. Um, We can approach the throne at any time. We don't have to wait for an appointment. 
one of the things I wanted to look at in the love aspect of this and wisdom, because kind of like Jill said, joy and peace go hand in hand. I think love and wisdom go hand in hand, okay? And Proverbs 14, 1, you'll know it as soon as you get there. You've heard it before. If someone wants to read that one. Proverbs 14.1. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you all hear that? Yeah. <clears throat> a wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, a foolish one tears hers down. I've often wondered, though, why God didn't say her mouth. <laughs> so I feel like it's my mouth that tears the house down more than anything, right? Um what are ways that we show the opposite of God's love and tear down our house? When we envy other people's things. When we envy other people's things. It breaks down um, your relationship with your husband when you're wanting what someone else has, right? Um, what else? You take all of those things that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And go the opposite of yeah. it. And that's what yeah. tears your house down. When yeah. I'm impatient, when I'm mean, yeah. when I act arrogantly and rude, um, when I'm resentful, when I'm irritable. <laughs> we're not like just taking it into our own like responsibility, displaying the grace mm. or reflecting the heart. We expect it of people, but we're not displaying ourselves. Yeah. It's huge. What about when it comes to our kids or grandkids or nieces, nephews, whoever applies to? How are we tearing it down? With our words. We can, we, can, we can tear down our children easily with our words and our mm-hmm. anger. Yeah. Our frustration. Um, well, I think we have to model the behavior we want children yeah. in our grandchildren. I didn't sit next to Susie so she could see my notes again. Doesn't <laughs> <laughs> somewhere too in yeah. the Bible it talks about it refers to us as like the milk of his word for our children. So like how about, how, I the word. It says mm, I might come up with one of the verses that I'm like gonna read and we're feeding them like the nourishment. I don't know, his word, yeah. Like, we nourish them. So if we don't yeah. do that, then yeah. mm-hmm. like we're failing our children in that sense. Sure. Yeah. I think about times that like I didn't understand um, what my one of my sons was going through and my harsh reaction, you know, and you know I feel so guilty about it later, you know, or whatever. Um, I feel like I was tearing him down you know, rather than building him up. And we have such power as moms, don't we? Mm -hmm. To tear our children down and, um, or we can build them up, right? Mm -hmm. So, well, another thing we can look, when we're trying to hold on to our own selfish wants, um, maybe not seeing, and this might apply more to kids that are grown, right? 
Um, so maybe to the other half of the room, right? When we try to hold on to our wants, like I know like Cody right now, my oldest, um, he told us last night that he was given a grant to get his medic and uh, it'll take two years. So they're selling their house and um, he's moving to Kearney. And I'm like, what? I don't want you to go, <laughs> you know? Uh, and I think, well, I'm going to need shared custody, you know. <laughs> and um, so when, you know, when Cade left and Cade decided he was going to live in the valley, you know, I, I was so hopeful maybe he would just get over it and come back right away, you know, and that didn't happen. He loves it there, you know. Germany. Or Germany, which is way further. Um, you don't get joint custody. You don't get joint custody. So... But I have to remember that God has a plan and a journey for each of my children to go through. And it is not to always make me feel comfortable, right? And it, as much as I want to sit and cry with Jesus on that one, um, literally right now, <laughs> I know that they need to walk that path with him, you know? And that when we fight against that, we are cutting them in two, right? And we stand not only divided with them in those moments, but between letting go and trusting God. And we divide ourselves, right? The mom in the story, she had to trust before she knew the outcome, didn't she? She was going, one guy, and we go to one God, right? Before we know the outcome. And, we, and she had to trust when there was nowhere else to turn. And the king had not only wisdom, but justice in mind. Her future and a hope, right? And she could trust his decision even when he announced something crazy. Has God ever announced something crazy with your children? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And trusting that he still had a plan. Um, the other thing, and I think Tawny might have said it, or somebody said it, maybe it was Jill, about our example. Um, Proverbs 20, verse 7, let me flip over that to that one. <coughs> says, the righteous man leads a blameless life, and blessed are his children after him. Any of you feel blameless? Oh. <laughs> I want to hide under a rock and cry. Right? <laughs> Um, I'm just glad mine takes after his dad. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Blessed are his children after him because of his blameless life or her blameless life. Um, you know, all I can say is I was an imperfect mom. Still, I'm an imperfect mom. No, you're not. Oh, shush. Um, <laughs> but scripture is not silent in the wisdom it gives us in the things that we could do, right? We're not left to our own, Right? What are some of the things that scripture tells us in regards to our children? Train them up in the way they should go. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7 um, says, um, well, that's a different verse, but Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7 says to teach them all day long, everywhere you go, whether you're walking or sitting or standing or whatever, it's all day, right? God should be a part of every day, not just Sunday morning or not just bedtime prayer that God should be constant. And, um, you know, that was one of the regrets. I, I felt like 
I didn't talk enough about God. Like in the, I mean, there was a lot of God wouldn't want you to do that kind of a thing. But I felt like there wasn't enough of just the every day, all day talking about God. Um, and, and maybe that's because, you know, we were the youth leader and we were the Sunday school teacher and we were the, <laughs> and so we felt like it was being said all the time. But I feel like I spend more time talking about God now with my adult children than I did. And, um, I feel the same. And with my yeah. grandchildren, I Yeah, more intentional. When my kids were little, I was also very young. Yeah. And I was tremendously young in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think about name these things. I was really patient. I wasn't patient. I was really patient. Mm-hmm. I was probably kind. I was probably a little bit arrogant. I could be rude. Um, I was resentful. You know, I felt like my needs were not ever being met. So how could I meet their needs? You know, and um, I, uh, I talk more now. And I'm a much better grandmother, I think, than a mother. Because now I've learned so much more. I think that that's natural for everyone. Yeah. I think I had, my mom was very, um, like, we grew up Methodist, so she was very much like, God wouldn't want you to do that kind of Mm -hmm. attitude, and we grew up very Methodist, so it it was like Sunday Sunday morning, and then bedtime prayers, and um, I grew up with that, and with my daughter, my oldest, she was three when I got baptized. And she brought me to the Lord. So she's mm-hmm. always had this like really mm-hmm. pure connection. Mm-hmm. And so it's always been easy. But, but she's led me. Yeah. And so in, in our day-to-day life in our house, talking about God, um, she gets the seed planted at school because she goes to Mountain Christian. And then she comes home and we talk about it. And that's that's awesome. And that's enjoyable, and that, that, but that never, I was never shown that, yeah. or modeled that. It was right. kind of like, we, her and I learned it together. Me that's, and my daughter, we learned together. It's absolutely true. I mean, I, it wasn't modeled to me either. And um, so now, it, that's the best we can do now, is now model what we have, you know, mm-hmm. as a grandma, how I can model to my children and my grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, that has changed the way my children choose to model, which I think the fruit of that is there. You know, I see that. Um, you know, a couple of things um, maybe aren't in Scripture, but wisdom. Um, well, we could say it's in Scripture, like who you choose to spend your company with, right? Um, your friends, your family, your social media, your TV, you know, all that. We used to have, like, a rule in our house for ourselves that if we couldn't watch it with the eight-year-old in the room, then it, we wouldn't have it on, right? Um, and so that's how we would judge the content of the things that we would watch, you know? Uh, and we weren't perfect, but, you know, it can be hard when all of your friends are watching some movie and, you know, <laughs> or some show and saying it's not a big deal or whatever. Um, but if I was constantly turning it off when one of the kids walked in the room, it started speaking more and more to, this isn't right, right? It doesn't belong in my head any more than theirs. Um, how many of you are still trying to undo bad habits you learned in childhood? <laughs> right? Um, or reeling in guilt, maybe, for ones that you left for your kids? 
right? Um, Benjamin Franklin said, the way parents act in the home teaches their children more about God than what the children hear in Sunday school or church. So your example matters way more than the little bit you think is being put into them. Uh, Warren Wiersbe said, when parents walk with God and seek that wisdom, they give their children a heritage that will wrench them throughout their lives. Proverbs 14, 26 says, He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children it will be a refuge. I know, um, you know, we all know, not to point fingers or anything, we all know Katie and Clay have gone through stuff that we've been praying with them through this year, but to watch them um, learn to know that they have a fortress they can run to, either as us as parents or to run to God or whatever it may be, that they run towards wisdom. And I see that it doesn't matter because we have all that are married been through things, right? <laughs> and so we've all had to run to somebody at one time or another and get that encouragement. So this isn't uh, one person. But um, when we do that, I can guarantee you, having gone through things myself, that people know that I have been, and so they will run to me. I know they will now in the future run to Katie as well, right? That's already happening. Yeah. So many people, I have a few friends that are like on the brink of divorce, and they're like, how did you save it? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I didn't save it. Jesus saved it, and I can't get, take any credit for it because honestly, like myself, where I was at, I was destroying. I was breaking down my own home because I couldn't just pull my head out and realize what was going on, you know? So I, it's crazy. It really does come full circle where it's like he gives us things to go through so that others can be helped through too, and I think that helps lead others to Christ too. Like we said, this lady, we don't know the outcome, but for me, that example in my life is now set. Like I can't take any of that credit. It goes all to God. And like, that's something in my head too. Like I have to remember, like I can't do it on my own and keep pushing people back that way and not be ashamed of that because some people are probably like, Oh yeah, you know, whatever. But it's like, no, I, it's, it's a work in progress for me too, to not take that credit. And everybody has, has growing pains in marriage. Yeah, it's hard. And Josh and I, I mean, last year has not been a picnic for us either. And so, I mean, but God is, God is glorified through it because we've, we've walked through the valley and we, stuck together and we yep. turned to Jesus and we, we've made it, you know, Amen. we've worked it and, and that, but it's hard. Every, hard. every day you wake up and you die to yourself and you choose, and you choose Jesus and you go, nope, like today I'm going to, I'm going to honor God in my marriage and I'm going to, I'm going to, to care about what Josh needs more than, than what I need. And that, and that, every every morning I, I challenge myself, like, what can I do? Because it doesn't matter what I think about what Josh is upset about, what I personally feel about it. It matters that he's upset and that I need to adjust whatever I'm doing. Um, because I love him and I want to honor him yep. in our marriage. Well, um, and your children are watching your relationship, right? Um, it, all I can say is, is that, it, yeah, it's being modeled is that my adult children, I honestly fully believe that I don't think Clay could have made it through if he didn't have us to talk to and see that we did go through, you know, nearly divorce and and stick together. Because the night that him and I sat down in the living room and I told him everything, that he hadn't 
seen it all. He was younger. He was a teenager when it all happened. And when I told him everything, he left immediately that night and went back to Katie. Um, and I feel privileged as a mom. I'm not ashamed. You know what I'm saying? We all have things. We're not ashamed of whatever God can use in our life. And I'm thankful that because of that little bit of pain, and I think of that mother standing there, watching her child about to be torn in two, and having the opportunity to say, I will sacrifice if that means you can live. And so you know what? I sacrificed my pride, son, if you get to hear all the details and you live, <laughs> and you're not cut in two, right? What are our spiritual weapons? Warren Wiersbe says the world wants to penetrate that fortress and kidnap our children and grandchildren, but godly parents keep the walls strong and the spiritual weapons ready. What are our spiritual weapons? Prayer. 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 I think Jill's got an answer. I'm sorry, what? Oh. <laughs> I, was my <laughs> I said, what are our spiritual weapons? Right. <laughs> Jill's taught on that before. That's why I picked on her. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, what if I said the Bible should be the basic textbook in the home? Right. This should be the basic textbook. More important than excelling in music and sports and activities and social life. Right. This has got to be number one. Why? Because it tells you how to do all those other. It's a foundation. It's a foundational it's a thing for yeah. the rest of your life. It, right. it lays the foundation of every decision, every choice, every, every season of your life, mm-hmm. what, your path. And why do we do it? You said part of it. We're laying a foundation, right? Foundation mm-hmm. of wisdom for when our kids leave our home. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the whole follow through is that when our kids leave, they have a foundation to fall back on. Um, and you know what? You also want to be a, the source of wisdom again when they leave, after they become adults, that they could come home, that they know that that wisdom is going to be always consistent, right? It's going to be consistently coming from the word that you're not going to be wishy washy. I feel sorry uh, for people. I have a parent that is not grounded in the word that, um, you know, my dad, he's given me some wonky advice. (laughs) I love him. He loves me. He tries to do better than he used to because he recognizes, but um, he's given me very worldly advice in the past, you know, or not knowing what to say at all, you know, and man, if you've got a parent or your counsel is not, from the word, it sounds so weird, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. If you've been in the word, well, if you've been in the word, right? You haven't, yeah. right? You're flying everywhere with it, right? And and you'll get anyone's advice, but um, I'd say too, like it takes away from the joy that the Lord 
wants to give us because I have the same thing. Mm-hmm. When me and Clay were going through everything, my mom said, divorce him, we don't like him, blah, 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 you should just give up, he's giving you a way out, just go, just go, just go. Well, if I would have done that, I wouldn't experience the joy that the Lord has blessed my marriage now. Mm-hmm. Our family is healthy, we're together, we're whole, and we're thriving. If I would have listened to that, I wouldn't be here knowing, like, when the Lord says, like, I have something better for you, that's the truth, like, he does. You just have to persevere. Because this gives life, right? And that's what we want to give to our kids. Oh, I've caught caught myself. Um, Kind of going off of what Katie was saying, um, in 1 Peter's, Three fourteen. It says, "But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed." Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like parenting is like one of the hardest things, and we give up so much, but it's for the love of our child, you know. So, like we might be tired and we might be beaten down, yeah. but we, at the end of the day, we are still blessed. Right. Amen. Amen. Well, and I've, I've heard it be, be compared to we're laying our cornerstone for our children. Yeah. It's their cornerstone. Yeah. And, and their faith is going to be their cornerstone that they build the rest of their life on. And I've, I, have a, I have a mother who is like, like one of your parents, not close to the Lord, and, and mm-hmm. has given me very worldly advice in the past. And, and I've ended up going to my mother, yeah. <laughs> my mother thought, because she's so grounded in the Word, and I can... I can bounce things off of her, and I know she's going to give me advice that's yeah. from, from God's advice. word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, and she, and, and she's been a blessing because I've been able, with, you know, with the help of people who are really grounded in the word to grow, you know, by myself, but also in my marriage with my husband. Mm-hmm. And that's been a huge blessing. Mm-hmm. Proverbs 22, 6, again, that's to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. I used to believe this common misconception that that meant they may stray away for a time, but then come back. Um, actually, you know, Warren Wearsby says that isn't what it says. It says that they um, are raised in the wisdom and the way of the Lord. They won't stray at all. Even in old age, they will follow the wisdom of God. Now, that does not mean that you've done it right and you've raised them the right way and they don't go their own way um, because that certainly happens, right? Um, They can stray from God, but they can never get away from what's been put into them, right? They can never get away now. I mean, how many of you are praying for that grown child, right? The prayers of their parents and the seed that's been placed in their hearts, they can't run. He won't return. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it always, like, Mm -hmm. as I say, always, Mm -hmm. it it repeats always Uh through it over and over and over again. And when Paul describes the Christ like love, if you go back through, it doesn't Mm -hmm. say just, oh, well, now it will, but not later. Mm -hmm. It says always. Mm -hmm. Always, exactly. We should keep praying and trusting, um, even with our wayward children. No one's ever too far gone. No one's ever lost. Um, and, and part of that, like that woman, is standing no. before God saying, I trust you. I don't want him cut in two. I trust you, and I'm going to give him to you or her to you, right? But recognize now, if your child, you've got child in the home, is bent towards sin in a certain area, <laughs> work on that. Because... Um, <laughs> 
there's an old proverb, you know, they call it an old proverb. It's not actually out of the Proverbs, but it's based on that. Um, that says, as the twig is bent, so the tree is inclined. So if you don't address issues that you see in your kids, they'll probably keep going that direction, you know. Don't, if, if you know something isn't right in a certain area. Address it. Um, Address it sooner, sooner than rather than later. Um, if you know something that they're watching isn't exactly wholesome, and maybe it's easier for you to just let them watch it and you'll deal with it at another time, you know, that's eventually going to come back on you, right? Because they just get older and sassier, right? <laughs> so um, address those things. Because training, what do we know about training? What does that verse mean? Do you know, uh, it's, it's like a, a gardening term there, that training, is that you take the vine and you tie it and you tie it. You're training the vine which way to go on purpose, right? Because there's those people who are just like, ah, oh, let them alone. They'll figure it out on their own. That was my dad. I mean, we'd be the bush like going like this on the ground, right? And we'd die from root rot, you know? Um, so... Yeah, it is, it is training is, no, you do have to intentionally input into your children um, the way you want them to go. Um, and, you know, we don't like the word discipline. Nobody likes the word discipline. We don't like it for ourselves, right? <laughs> but what happens if you don't discipline your child? They're going to run amok. They're going to run amok. Example, when we were at the pool... Told Olivia like it was time to get out, and like they turned everything off, or like they, and I said let's go, and she didn't. She was the last one in. They blew the whistle at her. That child does not like getting in trouble. She does. It, 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 she so she's a very good girl, but that was the very first time I think in her life where something like that happened, and she got out. She was like oh, crying, and she's yeah. like they blew the whistle at me, oh. and I didn't mean to. Oh. She was like, but d- that's just yeah. like. Now she will not miss it again. It. She will never do it again. And so. Take some yeah. 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 And I love that because it's, it's yeah. important. Yeah. That's how we train our kids. We need to give them something that they care about that they're not yeah. going to. Right. And it's so memorable. They will never. It is. It's hard as a young mom because you want to check out when you can. I remember. Like. I just, I remember it being tough in the discipline days. I remember taking them to the store, promised them 16 and a half spankings. And <laughs> because they, they ran through everything and under everything and they wouldn't sit still and keep their hands to themselves. And then finally I just learned, you just don't take them to the store. That's dad's job. He stays home with them. You go to the store. I would go to the store at midnight, one o'clock, two in the morning, whatever it took so I could go by myself. <laughs> Thank God for delivery. I know. I was about to say, Walmart yeah, pickup. Such up. a different All world. All these young mamas over here. It's better. It's better. It's better. It's better. It's better. I have left a grocery cart oh. full of groceries with one little girl that is setting it One little girl. One little sweet little girl. Yep. I know. Been there, done that. But it's funny. Just as a side note, if you train the first one right, the second one, and it goes on and on. Kate, I don't. If Kate ever got a spanking, 
I would be surprised. He's my youngest of five. Yeah, and that was because he was just that good. He really was. Lucky. He obeyed. If I raised my voice to him, he would cry. That's my oldest. She thinks she does on Yeah. Yeah. He he just he liked my second one. He knew the rules. I think it's all second one. The second ones. Oh my god, the second. Mine wasn't eight. My second one was a ninja. I'm like, goodness. My second one's a stick of dynamite. I think you had more than three. A stick of dynamite. Yeah, I would blow up anything. Yeah, it all goes. Yeah, Cody was the oldest. He was the hardest. And Cole learned right away he did not want spanking the Cody. You got to tell them the story of the hallway. Yeah, okay. So. Which is funny because dad now tells the story differently. And I'm like, what the heck? We were both in the same room. So they had rooms, and when we lived in the valley, they had rooms on opposite sides of the hallway, and then the living room was right here with, the, with like the entryway. And Cody's door was right here, and he was constantly coming out of his room at night. And we, we're sitting on the couch, and we're like, "Get back in your room," you know. And um, so he would go, and he just kept coming out and coming out and coming out. Well, we hear him talking to Cole at the other end of the hallway, going, "Let's go, go." And so as Cody's running out and dad picks him up and whacks him on the butt to put him back in his room, you see Cole go, (laughs) and he never came out after that. (laughs) But Cody Cody was hard. He was stubborn. Hilarious. Mm -hmm. There's so many years between the two girls. Mm -hmm. And Olivia goes, I don't want to ever, like. She's naughty. Like, I don't ever want to be that naughty. She's two, and I'm like, goodness gracious. Oh, funny. Well, that's enough on discipline for a minute there. One of the ways God does show his love, though, to people is through a mother, right? Oh, man, I love my mom. I, I hope you all have good relationships with your moms. I haven't always had a great relationship with my mom. Um, but now I do. And... Uh, I would consider one of my best friends for sure. Um, I want to be that mother. I want my kids to always look to me and say, I love my mom and tell other people how they, you know, I want to be that person. I want to be a woman that builds. I don't want them to look at me as somebody that tears down. I don't want them to avoid telling me something because they're afraid I'm going to lose it. Um, But we can look at some of those examples like we were talking about earlier. Miriam hid Moses in order to protect. Um, Ruth took on her daughter-in-law as her own. Hannah, for this child that I prayed. Um, The mother of the child in 1 Kings 3. She yearned with compassion, it says. God's love in Isaiah 66, 13 says, As one... Whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. He compares a mother's love to the kind of loving comfort he longs to show his people. And I think maybe this might be the verse you were kind of talking about, um, Tawny. Isaiah forty nine fifteen. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she would have no compassion on the son of her womb? Um, reminding us he has not forgotten us. And... Again, in Luke 13, 34, Jesus says, How many times I wanted to put my arms around all your people just as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. You know, what do moms, new moms always have with them besides the baby? 
diaper bag with a supplies. A diaper bag, right? <laughs> they got a diaper bag. They've got the kit ready to go, right? And we have that kit too. We talked a little bit about that earlier. We've got the prayer, the armor of God, you know. We've got the Holy Spirit. Um, we have that access to God's wisdom. And I'm sure that all of us, whether our children are grown or young, we've all got something that we're praying about or something that's on our mind constantly, whether it's for our grandchildren or, or our children. Um, James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. He's left us this detailed love letter. You know, those. For, I remember Katie when, um, her, oh, she was. She had both Zelly and Porter were getting their tonsils and adenoids out, and um, so Katie had the most detailed instruction list of this is when he can take the towel and all. This is when he can take the this. You know, this much uh, food or this much whatever. Like very detailed lists, like a mom would do caring for a child. Um, this how-to guide manual for the dumb Nana who hadn't had kids in 15 years, you know. <laughs> and it was helpful. Um, but it, it is, that is the way we think. Can you imagine, the first time you left your husband with the diaper bag and the kid. Yeah. <laughs> Still today when you leave that with the kid and the diaper bag. <laughs> and how the child's hair should look when they leave the house and <laughs> what clothes should be on her. <laughs> So he speaks to us, God speaks to us in terms that we would understand as moms, right? I mean, he uses words like you said, Tani, like milk fed. You know, get off the milk and get solid food. That's one thing we do as a mom, as a grandma, right? Get solid. You know, no longer be a child. You need to grow in the word. Well, I've kind of exhausted my notes. I'd like to hear what you guys pulled out of this. I, I got gotcha. you. Saying with us, he knew us. He knew, you know, he knows we are his, mm-hmm. and the sacrifice that he yeah. did for us. Josh and I, um, we talk every night on the phone, and I said that this was the story we were going over. He talked about it, and he, his thoughts were same as mine. Just how, like, it's comparing a mother's love to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like that was what we. Yeah, that was our conclusion that it really shows how much a mother dies to her children, dies to herself, and then takes care, pours everything to her kids. And Jesus did the same, very similarly, mm-hmm. physically. You know, was crucified and sacrificed himself for us. Yeah. I did the same thing Tony did, and I just read the very first chunk. I was like, "That's not the verse that she looked," and I had to go back and. I was like, yeah, I was like, so then I was like, I know, I was like, this is brutal. What are we talking about? Are you talking about love here? What is going on? So I did the same thing, and I had to read backwards, and I was like, oh, okay, okay, I see. But it's just a reminder to me, like, I would do anything for my child in, in a heartbeat, and I wouldn't even have to think about it. Whether we have the forethought of committing murder before we even go before Solomon or whatever, like, you would do anything for your kid, and, like, that 
I think was, like she said, a mirror of Jesus's love for us. Like he did the ultimate sacrifice for us Amen. in dying on the cross. And like, I know like if I had to do that for my kid in a heartbeat, bam, I would. And like, I think just remembering like that is a reflection of love that he tries to portray to us in his love letter to us of like, come back to me. I yearn for you. I love you. Like, this is all you need. I am all you need. Like, that's a perfect picture of that because we all know how it feels to love that child and not want anything to happen to them. Yet, he gave us all that we ever needed. And I think that's just so cool. Like, and that, just that. to expand on that just a little bit, really think about that. God did give us his son and we tore him into. He understands, right? And, um, but he's saying, trust me, right? Kind of going off of that, um, I kind of, before Jesus had died, he talked about in 13, John 13, 34 through 35, he commands us to love one another. And then taking it back to our homes, it says that in order to be a disciple of God, you have to love one another. And so you can kind of go off of that, like, you can't be my disciple. You can't be disciple to everyone around you. You can't, nothing without love. You cannot, you have to love one another in order to be my disciple. Claim as well. Mm-hmm. You know that if you read the King James, it says her bowels yearned upon her son. Now that just sounded yeah. painful to me. <laughs> that, you know, that sounded like that would hurt. And can, do I love someone enough? Um, am I willing to sacrifice in the name of love? Of course I would my child. But God is saying, if you don't love, you're not his child. Mm-hmm. You know, so am I willing to sacrifice that kind of a sacrificial love for the people that God loves? Can I love the people he loves? Because some of the people he loves are not very lovable. Mm-hmm. And I've certainly been that person that's not very lovable. And would I love to the point of pain that my bowels are learning that painful sounding experience for one of his children mm-hmm. he loves? Mm-hmm. I think it's eye-opening too, like you said, you know, we're, our verse is on two prostitutes, mm-hmm. where we are quick to judge, mm-hmm. you know, like, don't give either one of them the child, you know, like, <laughs> it was, maybe like, call CPS right now, yes, but at the same time, like, and then it goes back to, you know, how it will always protect, will always trust, will always hope, and always persevere, so like, who came before that prostitute, who prayed for their child, who now, like, yes, she has lost her way, mm. but she's still being protected. She still exemplifies that Christ-like love. Mm-hmm. Well, and she even means enough to Jesus that he's in this book. She's yeah. in this. She made it into the Bible. Like, yeah. Her story was significant right? enough. And, well, and it was enough to for everyone to notice. Yeah. You know, like, that was another thing. Is like, Solomon was able to pull that love and use an example of it you know, yes. and people noticed. Well, and it is know? a picture, though, too, like you said, that anyone could approach the throne. Yeah. It's the same yeah. as now. Anyone can approach the throne. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey. The water fountain. The water I would fountain. hide the stool. No. No. They're so no. good. Oh, yeah. Anyone else have a thought? Okay.